Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Wednesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online with you at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky in the studio in Jackson. Brian Haydad and Brian Scott Rippey with you from um, uh, from the Hoover Met, Hoover, Alabama, day two of the SEC baseball tournament. We've got Ole Miss and Arkansas playing in a good one right now, 4-3. to three. Arkansas leads it over Ole Miss, top of the eighth inning. Rebels have got first and second with one out in the inning. Kevin Graham just struck out for the first out of the inning. Razorbacks jumped out to a one to nothing lead in the bottom of the first after Ole Miss was unable to turn a double play on a ground ball to first. Razorbacks added a run in the bottom of the third. Ole Miss got two in the top of the fifth to tie the game at two. Rebels took a 3-2 to two lead in the top of the sixth inning. Arkansas countered with two runs in the bottom of the sixth inning to go ahead 4-3, to three, and that's where we stand right now. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land and all that goes with it for over 100 years. Glad to have you along this afternoon, guys. Day two of the SEC tournament. We had a a quick one, a no-hitter that went into the eighth inning earlier today for uh, Texas A&M starting pitcher, but Georgia got a two-run home run from uh, Cam Shepard, their shortstop in the bottom of the ninth inning, a walk-off two-run jack. Georgia won that game two to nothing, and then a pretty good one here in uh, in game two with Ole Miss and Arkansas. The best part about these games, they're going quickly. They're going quickly. We, we might not, I might not be here until three in the morning. I, I'm not terribly superstitious from the standpoint that I don't mind talking about a no-hitter when it's going on. But when you start talking about pace of play when it's moving well, it makes me want to throw you out the window, hey, Dad. That's a really bad idea. Everybody knows it. It's going to be okay. There you go. Rippy, what do you make of the day so far? Um, Zach Phillips pitched pretty well, kind of in some tough luck, but not a lot of hard contact. Arkansas only has four hits in the game. That was a huge strikeout there by Graham because Ole Miss had first and second no outs, and then we were about to have a big full count pitch. Well, and interesting that earlier in the ball game with uh, Cooper Johnson at the plate, Ole Miss had first and second, nobody out. They elected to lay down a sacrifice bunt to move both runners up. First and second, nobody out in the top of the eighth inning down a run. You choose not to lay down a bunt with Kevin Graham. Can you make that make sense? I've got nothing for you there. If bunting is your philosophy, you should probably stick with it, and then he doesn't there. It probably has something to do with Kevin's Kevin Graham's ability to put down a bunt, but still it's not really consistent with how you uh, – that's probably the, the, the gripe with the quote-unquote philosophy is that it's not really a philosophy because it's not consistent. Just kind of a feeling? Yeah, which is probably not, not great, but, you know. Michael Borky, how is your Wednesday? Other than the fact that my wife's cat is stressed out because of the move and anger peeing on everything, today's a pretty good day so far. Sounds like, to me, that is going to be an outside cat. 
here before too much longer. <laughs> if it was up to me, it would be. But yeah, other than that, um, especially on the bunting thing. So not everything is about numbers and analytics. Hey, by the but- way, I don't know if you know this or not. I don't know if you know this or not. You you call it my wife's cat. The reality is it's your wife, and so it is also your cat, my friend. Yeah, I know that, but today I don't want to claim it. I usually, I mean, it's not that bad. Like, he's kind of cool. He, he'll he kill lizards and stuff. I mean, he, he's got some good qualities, but I'm really mad today. I found three separate places. I'm furious because now I've got to work on getting that out of the old house before I get to the new one. It's a nightmare. But on the baseball front... It's not all about numbers, but on the first and second with nobody out thing, you actually are more likely to score a run or multiple runs on first and second with no out than you are second and third with one out. Now, it's pretty close, but the numbers actually tell you that first and second with no out, and it's a broad no, it's a broad thing, but you never bunt on first and second with nobody out if you want to score the most amount of runs. That's what the numbers tell you. It's not always about the numbers, but still, for whatever that's worth to you. Yeah. There are some situations that, like, if one run extends the game or ties the game, and, you know, when you get late in the game. Yeah, top top of the eighth inning down a run strikes me as a time where you lay one down and try and get two guys into scoring position where a fly ball can tie. Right. But, yeah. hey, we're not wearing number five in blue. Maybe he got wind of your philosophy. I don't think it's a philosophy. It's not consistent. No, no, I'm talking about your philosophy. Oh, yeah. Maybe he got wind of it. Somebody told him in the dugout. But he did it earlier in the game, so it's just... He didn't have that information then. It was it was came to him later in the game. Someone sent him a note down there. It's like, hey, Rippy says... He can actually uh, hear you from up there. is open to you. If Mike Bianco got a note from me during the game, my my safety would probably be in danger. (laughs) It's a a reasonable uh, assumption. C Spire text line is open, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. What's on your mind? You can send it to us just like that. Join prepaid by C Spire and get two lines of unlimited for $35 each, plus two free phones, all on a top-tier network that won't give you lower data priority. Finally, prepaid that's customer-inspired. Learn more at cspire.com. So when we finished yesterday, you had Auburn and Tennessee playing. Auburn got the win. They eliminated Tennessee. And then in the uh, the nightcap last night, a game that had the pace of a snail, that it was intoxicated and was weaving its way from home plate to first base. That does not happen quickly. What a, what a picture you just painted for the listener. Yes, that that uh, it was it was not a straight line. Shortest distance between two points is a straight line. The snail would have not been moving in a uh, a straight line. LSU ultimately got the win, eight to six, knocking South Carolina out and ending South Carolina's season. And so that set up today's matchups: Georgia against Texas A&M in the early game. This one between Arkansas and Ole Miss. Up next, the SEC champs from the regular season and the number one overall seed Vanderbilt taking on the eighth seed Auburn. And then tonight in the nightcap, what uh, expects to be a pretty good environment and a pretty good crowd, LSU and Mississippi State. It's uh, LSU as the five seed winning last night against South Carolina, against Mississippi State, the four seed. Do we have a definitive answer yet on who's pitching tonight for Mississippi State? Brandon Smith gets Brandon the ball Smith, to start. Which is what you thought was going to yeah. be the case all along. Yeah, and he gets the start. Uh, we'll take one up. Uh, is it Walker going for LSU? I believe that's right. Yeah, Eric Walker. So that that's your matchup. Interesting matchup for MSU in that uh, they didn't want to go with Small, and I get that. But Smith is a guy who hasn't pitched more than two or three innings at a time this year. So very possible that MSU could get into its bullpen earlier than you want to. 
Update on what's going on right now. Ole Miss got a uh, a one-out sacrifice fly that gave two outs in the inning, got Ryan Olenek to third. Arkansas went to the bullpen. They brought in their closer, Matt Cronin, who's got a pretty good slider and throws it in the mid-90s, and so Ole Miss countered with a pinch hitter. Chase Cockrell is at the plate, and he just struck out to end the inning. And so Ole Miss strands a couple of runners and will trail by at least one going into the ninth inning. Thomas Dillard, Greg Kessinger, and Tyler Keenan will be the scheduled hitters. Kind of not a surprising result there. Yeah. You can uh, you can send us a tweet <laughs> at Sports Talk M I S S if you would uh, would like to do so. Dynamite dropping. Couple guys resigned to their fate. I know. <laughs> it was like there was something that I wanted to say there, but I wasn't sure exactly what it was. And Chase Cockrell's not been very good this year. You don't so want to pile on a one kid. Of the best closers in the SEC. But that was kind of oh, an expected result. Yes. Yes. So uh, Ole Miss will try to keep it uh, right where it is. Austin Miller on the mound, bottom of the eighth inning, trying to get three outs and make it just a one-run game going uh, going to the ninth inning. Glad to have you along. Got a bunch to uh, get to this afternoon. Teddy Cahill from Baseball America scheduled to join us in just a little bit uh, uh, in a little while. Mississippi State's game coming up tonight. We will talk with, uh, well, Brian Haydad, uh, among others perhaps, about that game and preview what's coming up. Interesting story with a, uh, a guy who is familiar with uh, Mississippi State fans, Carter Stewart. The story kind of emerging yesterday. This is a guy that is uh, about to uh, make the transition from American baseball to Japanese baseball. Yeah. And he could have been in Starkville this year. Could have been in Starkville, uh, decided to go the JUCO route, and now is, is like I said, sort of a pioneer kind of thing happening here where he will head to Japan and, and play there and make money and then come back in maybe a few years as a free agent to an MLB team. Got some NFL notes coming up for you this afternoon. College football fix just after 5 o'clock. We will uh, take another glance at the schedules for SEC teams as we roll through the uh, weekend. And Luke Johnson from the Eagle Hour in Hattiesburg will join us a little bit later in the show. We'll check in on Southern Miss playing in the Conference USA Tournament in Biloxi. That one uh, first game of the day happened for uh, Southern Miss um, to uh, get Conference USA tournament play started. First pitch for that game was at 12:30 today. It was supposed to be, but Southern it got pushed back to two hours. Pushed back two hours, so it's just really beginning. It's in the bottom of the first. Yep. And Rice has jumped out to a one nothing lead. Did they have a weather delay? The first game took five hours to play. Ooh. Oh my goodness! Oh, God, yeah. Marshall beat Louisiana Tech six to four in twelve innings. Teddy Cahill from Baseball America joins us when we come back. Renaissance Bank Studio live from the Hoover Met, Hoover, Alabama. Day two of the SEC baseball tournament. All guests on Sports Talk Mississippi appear on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. However. 
Teddy Cahill from Baseball America is not on the phone today like he normally is. He's sitting right next to us, joins us live from the Hoover Met. Day two of the SEC Baseball Tournament. Arkansas batting bottom of the eighth inning, leading 4-3 to three over Ole Miss. Both teams with five hits in the ballgame. Razorbacks have a runner on first with nobody out. Teddy, what's up, man? It's another beautiful day in Hoover. I mean, we're, uh, we've got some exciting baseball already today and a few more games to come. A&M carried a, a no-hitter into the uh, into the eighth inning, and then Cam Shepard, who's not exactly a power hitter, yanked one down the left field line for a walk-off win, a regulation win, which makes most people that are here happy and uh, keeps things on schedule, at least for uh, for now. Absolutely. I mean, and the the way that Georgia won that game was was just impressive to to be able to you know come back after. They had just been absolutely shut down offensively and 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 hang in there and, and and obviously Tim Elliott pitched a really good game too. It was I mean it was scoreless before that happened. How, how good is Georgia? I mean I think they're very good. I, I think that their pitching staff is the best in this conference, and I mean that means it stacks up very very well nationally. And they're an experienced team. They field at a really high level. They don't necessarily hit that much. Uh, you know, obviously today's an extreme example of that, but it's not a powerful offense. So you, you do worry about that to a certain extent, but I think that if they can get to Omaha, um, what they have on the mound will play well in that ballpark. Well, and when you say best pitching staff, that's not just starters. I mean, that's when you take into account that you got Aaron Schunk, who's a, a really good kind of kind of two-way guy, plays a good third base and comes in off the mound, and you got Christofak, and then is it Wilcox out of the bullpen that's I mean, Wilcox the right can start right now. They can put him in the bullpen. They, they have some options there because Emerson Hancock was out, so they kind of had to move Wilcox from the bullpen to the rotation and that worked pretty well and uh so now they they run like four deep and starters very well or, or wilcox could go back to being a hybrid role in a regional uh so i i think they have some some options there and uh they can kind of manage that how they want but I, yeah i mean when you look at, at shunk and christopher especially out of that bullpen uh you know that those are two really tough arms Newest projections are out came out earlier today you've still got ucla as the number one overall seed playing at home paired up with miami uh, SEC pretty well represented. Vandy is a national seed. Georgia is a national seed. Mississippi State is a national seed. And Arkansas, two, three, four, and five. Uh, you've also got Texas A&M hosting. It feels like with their win yesterday, that kind of locked that up, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's still a little fluid at the back with those last few hosts, but that that definitely Im- improved their chances. And I, it, 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 their resume kind of sneakily, I feel like, looks very good right now. Is LSU next in line? Yes, I, that, that's a, a very close run thing, I think, and there was a version of that field that had LSU hosting, and ultimately we went with Miami, but uh, I, I think LSU, if they win tonight, uh, they are gonna they might move in just as a host right away, or uh, if they can keep winning here a little bit more, that, that would certainly help them. My guess is if you polled 100 Mississippi State fans, this is dangerous saying you get 100 <laughs> for 100 responses, but if you said to Mississippi State, this is the regional that you will host. As a number four national seed, Illinois State is the two, Clemson is the three, Southern is the four. 100 out of 100 would say sign me up. Yeah, I think people would definitely sign up for that. I mean, Illinois State can pitch. Uh, there's uh, they're, they're having a nice season, uh, but, you know, they are what they are. I mean, and, and they're not going to have experienced anything like that atmosphere at Duty Noble for a regional. And what Clemson is doing right now is trying to play itself out of regional. So, I mean, that's a team just trending in the wrong direction. There's talent, but the way they've played for the last month, it's hard to feel good about them going into the postseason. When you look at the top eight seeds and you kill all those teams, yeah, they could make it to Omaha. Of the, the next eight seeds, so of 9 through 16, who's a team that you like 
that could sneak their way out of a road super regional to Omaha. I like the way Oklahoma State is playing right now. And, I mean, you can't also, I mean, Stanford and Oregon State right now, they're second in the Pac-12, but they aren't top eight seeds. The RPI right now isn't there for it. And I don't want it, like, they're very, very good. And, um, you know, they, they play at a really high level. Oregon State is one of the better pitching staffs in the country. And Stanford's just a, a pretty complete team. So... I, the experience of Oregon State, what everything that, that Stanford has, and, and the hotness of Oklahoma State, I think those are kind of three teams from outside the top eight that that would be dangerous going into a Super. You've got Mississippi State as the four seed currently, and I asked uh, Kendall Rogers this yesterday, I'll ask you today, can they jump up to maybe the two seed if they win this tournament, especially if they get a win over Vanderbilt along the way? Two would be tough. Uh, Vanderbilt and UCLA seem pretty well locked in there. Three is definitely, I feel like, doable. Uh, two definitely requires winning this thing. Uh, maybe if Vanderbilt went 0-2 here, maybe their RPI would suffer a little bit. But I think that as SEC regular season champs with 45 wins right now, um, I think they're pretty well locked into one, and one or two, depending on the RPI with UCLA. We, we've debated bunting a lot. Are you on team don't bunt or, or no? I uh, back in the day, I had a hashtag that was bunting is awful, and um, <laughs> I am definitely not on the sacrifice bunt. That that originated back when they first changed the bats, though, and everyone was bunting all the time, and I just personally got sick of it. Like yeah. I understand the strategy sometimes. It, it can be merited, but in general, I'm much more just let them swing. Well, and, and here's the thing. I mean, there have been three situations in this game, and I feel like all three of them have been mismanaged by the uh, the two coaches in the game, Mike Bianco for Ole Miss and Dave Van Horn. So you go early in the game, Ole Miss has got first and second, nobody out. They sacrifice bunt to get to second and third. In the last half inning, they had first and second, nobody out, down one in the eighth inning and choose not to sacrifice and get a strikeout. And here Arkansas is up one in the bottom of the eighth, first and second, nobody out. They don't bunt, and you get a pop fly on the infield. Yeah, I mean, I went bunt there because you got Kerstad up, and he could okay. easily uh, pull one out of here and, and, and then basically end the game here. Uh, so I, that's that's not a place where I'd be bunting, uh, just based on who's up. I, I do get that, like, you want to run here in this inning, but uh, I, Kerstad is definitely a hitter that, that I would want to see swinging. The earlier bunts, generally, that's just too early in the game to be playing for one run for me. Earl Weaver always said if you... You play for one run, you usually get one run, and that's what happened to Ole Miss earlier, and that was nice for them. But uh, you know, I you're really limiting yourself in terms of creating bigger innings, and uh, you know that those are really what I'd be after early in the game. Wild pitch, Arkansas gets to second and third with one out, and Jack Kinley at the plate. He's got the biggest hit of the ball game. Drove in a uh, pair of runs for Arkansas in the bottom of the sixth inning. That's currently the difference in the ball game. Ole Miss on the road is a two seed. You've got them in Corvallis, Oregon. Uh, what's the process that decides who gets to end up in Corvallis as a two seed? Yeah, I mean, so someone's going to get sent west. There aren't enough two seeds out west that aren't Pac-12 teams to accommodate the fact that right now there are four regionals out west. So someone's going to get sent that way. And, uh, you know, when, when I start looking at it, you know, you just kind of try and, you know, start lining things up and, um in general, I think they want to send someone more from the central time zone out west rather than send someone all the way from the east coast. Um, you just kind of kind of look where, where this all lies. And... Play at the plate, not in time. Just a little hesitation from Kevin Graham after he fielded it at first base. Didn't immediately go. Just a beat of hesitation. And a head first slide gives Arkansas a 5-3 to three lead. And... 
Even though you didn't get the uh, bunt down in the inning, they did go pinch runner earlier. They had Washington, who may be the fastest guy on Arkansas's team. And the Razorbacks get an insurance run here in the bottom of the eighth. Teddy, let me ask you about Chris Limonis. Obviously had a, a, a year where he exceeded expectations, I think, in Starkville so far. The team he left behind in Indiana wins the Big Ten Championship. You know, he was obviously, when he came in, a little bit of an unknown. But right now, would you say that, you know, it looks like he's going to be the guy in Starkville for a long time. Do you think he can be that guy who takes this program to that final step of winning a national title? Yeah, I mean, that's such a big step to take when you look at guys that don't have national titles. Obviously, Ron Polk can be chiefly among them. On uh, one guy, we're, two guys we're looking at here, and in, in Bianco and, and, and DDH. But so, I mean, I, I think that I thought it was a good hire. I thought it was a good, solid hire. I think he can win in Starkville and win a lot. And uh, you know, I, I think that this year is definitely, uh, you know, it's it's a very good year for Chris Lamonis, both in Starkville and in, in Bloomington, like you said. And I, I think that speaks well to the talent he left, Jeff Mercer at IU, and also you know what he's been able to do with this team. But uh, you know, I mean, obviously, a lot of this is players that he just inherited. So I, you, you have to recruit, you have to keep building, and the SEC West is such a bear that you have to keep up there. But I, I do like what what Chris Limonis brings to Starkville and, and, and to that job. Let's say you got the national championship series and you need to win two out of three, and you can pick any coach in the country to coach your team. Who's the guy that you trust more than any to push all the right buttons, pull all the right strings? Wow, so at that point, you're basically just picking a game manager. So like, I generally think Kevin O'Sullivan's the best coach in the country, but that has a lot to do with the recruiting. And he's a good game manager, but that, that has a lot to do with the recruiting. Um, wow. Uh, you know, I, I, I feel like I want to say Tim Corbin, but, um, you know, I... Uh, are we, are we eliminating Pat Casey because he's retired right now? Uh, we're going to say that Pat Casey is currently not an active coach. Okay. Because, uh, yeah, that would be that would be an excellent choice. At this point, we're going to skip Burtman or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I, I guess, uh, I mean, maybe it's Tim Corbin. It's a hard question. I'll, I'll give you some time to think on that, and you can get back to me. Yeah, I'll, uh, that, that is one I will definitely ponder. Teddy, thanks for stopping by. I appreciate it. Ted Cahill from Baseball America. Projections out. We'll look at the entire field of 64 that they put out earlier today, a little bit later in the show. Arkansas leading 5-3, to three, bottom of the eighth inning over Ole Miss. Stay tuned to the SEC Baseball Tournament. We've got more coming up with you from the Renaissance Bank Studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Day two of the SEC Baseball Tournament. Ole Miss batting with one out in the top of the ninth inning. Arkansas trying to pick up the win. Ole Miss trying to stay out of the loser's bracket. If the Rebels lose this game, they will play the early game tomorrow. They will have the 9.30 start in an elimination game against Texas A&M. If they were to come from behind and win this game against Arkansas, then they would meet Georgia in the third game of the day, the 5 o'clock game. So you'll have two elimination games in the morning, the uh, the two teams that lost in the early games today, so Texas A&M and looking like it could be Ole Miss. And then the, uh, the second game of the day will feature losers from tonight's game, Vanderbilt, Auburn, and Mississippi State, LSU. And then, of course, the winners will play in games three and four of the day tomorrow. The two teams that win today and tomorrow – will not play on Friday. Right. They are in the driver's seat to get to that single elimination part and the uh, the semifinals in the SEC tournament. Kind of a 
quick thought, hey, Dad, or maybe not a quick thought. We could flesh it out a little bit. As you look at this matchup tonight with uh, with LSU, you've got um, Mississippi State and LSU. They met in Starkville. Was it was it week three? Is that right? Week three or week four? Yeah, something like that. So relatively early in SEC play, LSU pitched it really well that weekend. Yeah, and uh, they lost the first game, but made kind of a late run after Ethan Small came in and made it competitive, and then followed it up with. Um, Two really good outings. They yeah. swung the bats well, and they pitched it really well against Mississippi State. Yeah, if you just watched that series, you would think LSU would be the one coming over here, locked into a national seed, and Mississippi State would be the team trying to get into the into the hosting picture. Uh, LSU just dominated Mississippi State that weekend. State was up six nothing in that Thursday night game with Ethan Small. Uh, LSU made it close, and the final score was six to five. But from six nothing, State never was really in the series the rest of the way. LSU jumped out to early leads on Friday and Saturday. They, that was JT Ginn's first sort of off start of, of the season. I uh, didn't pitch particularly well. Uh, and then on su- on the Saturday game against Peyton Plumley, uh, LSU just kept hitting the baseball and, and kept putting up runs on the board. And State, like you mentioned, LSU's pitching that weekend was as good as – that may have been its best pitching performance for the entire season with, with what they got uh, from their pitching staff that weekend. And they'll send out a guy tonight that pitched really well, Eric Walker, seven innings. I think he gave up four hits against Mississippi State the first time around. And, you know, just going into it, it feels like advantage – LSU got a final in this game. Arkansas wins five to three over Ole Miss. Matt Cronin, who was untouchable for his first ten appearances of the season, and then kind of bumbled around for about a month, has come back and has pitched really well. Gets the final four outs of this game, strikes out the side in the top of the ninth inning. And so Ole Miss falls into the losers bracket. They will play an elimination game tomorrow against Texas A&M, a team they swept in Oxford earlier this year, and will likely face the lefty John Doxakis, who did not pitch today for yeah. A&M. They threw Asa Lacey yesterday. They threw Weber earlier today. Ole Miss actually beat Doxakis in Oxford, or won that, the game that he pitched. Um, but uh, Rebels will get their hands full tomorrow. Sort of an, an odd thought, I thought, from, from Rob, Rob Childers not to start Doxakis today, but decided to save him for a potential elimination game, and here he is. And so with their backs against the wall, at least they can to throw their ace and throw their best arm out there. I guess Ole Miss will throw Nikhazy tomorrow. I would assume that that would be the case. Okay. So pretty good pitching matchup if, yeah. uh, if that's what you uh, you end up with. Um, what's the level of excitement among Mississippi State fans for this game tonight, playing LSU in the SEC tournament? I know there's a great big fat it doesn't really matter, and yet, you put on the uniforms, and you come out to the ballpark, and there'll be a few thousand people in the stands tonight, under the lights, big TV audience. It's going to feel like a big game, even if it's a game that, from Mississippi State's perspective, doesn't really matter. It probably means a lot for LSU. Yeah, for LSU, this is, this could be the game that a win gives them the host site, because they would have three out of four against Mississippi State. Um when you talk about an excitement level, you, you mentioned that for State it doesn't have a whole lot of meaning, and then you throw on top of that you're playing the team that has just historically dominated you. Uh, I don't know if excitement level is the right word, maybe a little bit of trepidation, but that said, uh, for Mississippi State, I, you know, they obviously want to play for as long as they can. They want to keep momentum going. They want to see if they can improve their seating at all. We've had two different guys sit here and tell us they don't know how much they can move up, but 
I think State wants to, to, to keep playing. I think they'd like to get a shot at Vanderbilt. That's you know they, they didn't play them this year. They don't know how they stack up against Vandy, who oh, everybody will tell you is one of the best teams in the country. So maybe they maybe that's something a little bit of motivation. We want to take on Vandy t- tomorrow in, in the uh, in the winners bracket game and see where that takes them. That could be a lot of fun, right? I mean, if uh, if you get an Ethan Small against. Uh, Drake Fellows matchup, yeah, probably yeah. what you would see. That that that's a that's a that's a prime time matchup between two of the best teams in the country. That's what you, you expect to see those kind of games when you come over here to the SEC tournament. You would certainly get that if, if you can get that matchup. Yeah. Um. I, I, I know you've talked a good bit about it. It's just hard for me to wrap my mind around the idea of being. A three seed versus a two seed versus a four seed, and how it matters. It, it doesn't matter much. I think that the the biggest thing you do is talk about two, three versus four. If you're a four, it means you're on the one seed side of the bracket when you get to Omaha. If you want to look way down the, the road, so you might be you're on the same side. You can't get to the national championship series without going through UCLA instead of having to play them in the national championship series. So I think if you have your choice, you'd rather be the two or the three than the four. But between two and three, I agree. There's not a whole lot of difference. So you either want to be the two or the three or the six or the, or the six seven. or the seven. Exactly. So stay out of that one four. You don't want to be one four eight. five eight. Yeah. Although the other part of it is we know that when you get to Omaha, everybody's good. 99.99% of the time, there's not a fluke team in Omaha. Who's the last fluke team oh, I, that made I'll, it to Omaha? Honestly, they probably won the national title. I think of Fresno State. Coastal oh, they were number Carolina? Four seed. Yeah. Red hot. Coastal Carolina was they good that year. good, man. They were a good team. They hosted a regional. Didn't, they, didn't you cover it? No, I was at, I was in Conway last year. Okay. Not the, uh, but they were a good team that year. Fresno I know they State were good, but did anybody think that they were else? national title good? That's more of a... I would say that's more of a dark horse winning the national title than a fluke. It feels like we're getting into semantics. We, a I, bit. we might be. We I, might I, be. I, I certainly. Get I just want to argue with Borky because you get know what you're saying there. Well, I hey, got Borky. a delay, so it's hard I, uh, to argue with me. You guys will always win. <laughs> Fair enough, but uh, let me let me give you a chance here. You wanted to talk NBA yesterday because it was so good. Did you watch last night? Did you watch Bucks Raptors game four? I did, and it. it that series is a lot of fun. It's really good. Kawhi is injured and still playing unbelievable, and you've got some locker room drama going on in Milwaukee. So that series is a complete toss-up, and it's going to be a lot of fun. But I couldn't help but think last night watching both of those teams and realizing neither one of them has any bit of a chance against Golden State. I mean, the NBA Finals has already been decided. Neither Giannis nor Kawhi can lead that band of teams, either one, and beat Golden State. With or without Kevin Durant, doesn't matter. They cannot compete with Golden State the way they're playing versus the way Golden State's playing. It's sad, but that's just the reality. Why do you say that? Golden State is just so much better. They, they, they Right now are playing their best basketball maybe of the season, and I don't think... Uh, neither Milwaukee nor Toronto has enough people that can guard everybody on Golden State. Certainly, there are some matchup problems when you think about you got to handle Steph and you got to ha- handle Clay and you got to handle Iguodala and you got to handle Draymond Green. And good luck with handling all of that. I mean, you're, you're talking about what two nights ago, Draymond Green and Steph Curry both with triple doubles. 
Yeah, and when two you, triple doubles on the same team, and when in you the same wa- game, it doesn't feel like they're playing like that either. That's the thing. That's how historic they are. Is when, when I watched that game, I didn't even realize until they said that they're having a historic night. That's the first time that's happened in decades. I don't remember the exact year, but two teams having a triple-double in the Western Conference, or two players having a triple-double in the Western Conference Finals hadn't happened in years. And when you watch them, it just feels like another, you know, just another night. Are we going to be exposed to the stupid whistler here coming up in a little You know that that's about to happen, my friend. That's good. I wish I had a baseball and I could spot him and I could throw it at him from up here. You wouldn't see it coming. I will buy a a $20 gift card to any restaurant in the world for the person who just sits behind that guy and just screams in his ear all night. Just think, scream. Yeah, It's the same thing. He can't, they can't throw you out for it. Just making play. It's not artificial noise if, you, if it's coming from your lungs. Have you, um, have you ever played a mean trick on somebody? Well, I did that yesterday with you. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I mean more like a destructive mean trick. Destructive? No, I can't say that I have. Like, there's an idea out there that people have thrown out before that you can take a BB or a really small rock (laughs) and unscrew the valve cap on somebody's car, Uh and you drop that BB in there, and then you partially screw it back on, Uh and it causes all the air to go out of the tire. Yeah. Just didn't know if that had ever been done before. That might keep Fairly him there, though, which Did is counterproductive. Did you my car or something? Should, uh, do I but, need to check my tires when I go back to the car? It, at least you're inflicting a little bit of frustration and a little bit of... It's probably a bad idea. I'm nervous about my car now. Given the uh, the number of eyeballs that could theoretically see somebody doing something like that. Theoretically. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Four o'clock hour of Sports Talk Mississippi with you from the Hoover Met in Hoover, Alabama. Day two of the 2019 SEC Baseball Tournament. The SEC Tournament Champions. Nope. SEC Regular Season Champions. Vanderbilt Commodores getting set to play the Auburn Tigers. Auburn beat Tennessee yesterday. Vanderbilt the number one overall seed. They will get their trophy and their picture taken with the commissioner before the game starts. And then baseball activity will commence. There will be baseballing. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, who right now is doing press conference stuff and writing, and uh, he will come back and join us a little bit uh, a little bit later this afternoon. Michael Borky in the studio in Jackson. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. You can find them online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Think about building a house in the country. Mississippi Land Bank may be the call that you want to make if you're in North Mississippi. They specialize in financing. It's a little bit different than what you would expect from a regular mortgage lender, perhaps. They understand that those are a little bit complex and a little bit different, and the value of the land factors in. And maybe the barn or the shop that you've got on the property factors in as well, and they specialize in that. They've been financing land and all that goes along with it for over 100 years. Mississippi Land Bank, find a branch location or grab the phone number online at mslandbank.com. Hey, Dad, you excited to see Mississippi State tonight against LSU? I am. Always excited to see the Diamond Dogs. Boy, it just sounds like it, just brimming with excitement. Like he's about to fly out of his chair, Borky. He's so excited he can't stand it. Let's go. 
that better? Eh, it kind of got worse. Okay, then. <laughs> you two would say that. Uh, you nope. just turned into that guy. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, you asked me to crank it up. I don't know what you want over there. You're so hard to please, Richard. Uh, let's walk down this road for a second. You remember the name Carter Stewart, right? Absolutely, yeah. Take us, uh, take us down that road with Mississippi State a year ago. Sure. MSU signee, but uh, was a high risk for Mississippi State to, to lose the MLB draft. In fact, you know, you thought you were going to lose him and JT Ginn both. Uh, draft comes, he goes fifth overall to the Atlanta Braves, but at some point in his senior season suffered a wrist injury, and the Braves just felt like it was a little bit of a risk. So, long story short, they didn't offer him the full amount of his uh, p- potential slotted signing bonus. He decides, uh, rather than Ginn, who came to Mississippi State after turning down MLB, he decides he wants to go the JUCO route because he can do that and then get right back into the MLB draft the next season instead of having to wait two or three years. Again, we'll have to wait two because he'll be 21 at the end of next season. Um, And he's played well there in junior college, but uh, evidently projected as a second-round pick now, so he's not going to get that same money that he was going to get a season ago. And so now it looks like he is headed to Japan and will make about $7 million over the next few years. And have a six-year, $7 million contract, I think, so a million bucks a year yeah. as a 19-year-old. Um, I don't know if it's a fully guaranteed contract. I, I don't know what the collective bargaining rules are for, uh, for Japanese baseball. Um, I think I heard them say last night on the SEC Network broadcast, they brought the conversation up. Uh, as they were talking about pitchers, Tom Hart and, and Kyle Peterson were talking about this. And I think I heard Tom say that um, Carter Stewart says, look, the same wrist I've had all along. It's not an issue. The Braves disagreed. And he has the highest spin rate curveball yeah. in all of amateur baseball. Yeah. He, he, he was a an elite prospect, no doubt. And had he come to Mississippi State, we might be getting ready to see the Bulldogs play because if he had been part of that rotation with Small and Ginn, you, you probably would have been talking maybe a team that would be ranked number one in the nation because they would have just had – I mean, imagine having two first-round draft picks in your pitching rotation in college. That's something that you don't – To go along with Ethan Small. To go along with Ethan Small, who would probably be a first-round first pick. pick this year. Yeah. Right, so Carter Stewart is in agreement on a six-year contract worth a little more than $7 million with the Fukuoka SoftBank Hawks of Japan's Pacific League. Sources familiar with the deal told ESPN. He was the number eight overall pick last year in the MLB draft, didn't sign with the Braves. They believed he was injured. They offered him a signing bonus well under the almost $5 million value, around $2 million. Went to junior college, was expected to go early in the second round of this year's draft and receive an offer of less than the $2 million he got a year ago. So he instead decided to um, go with this groundbreaking contract with the Hawks and Japan, who have won four of the past five Japan series. That's their version of the World Series. It's expected to finalize the deal by the end of May. Uh, Stewart stands to make more money during his six years in Japan than he would have with an MLB organization and could potentially return to the United States as a 25-year-old free agent allowed to sign a long-term contract with any of Major League Baseball's 30 teams. Rippy, you, you tend to look at the, the Major League game and pro baseball is there an opportunity to change the dynamic um, for players leaving high school based on what we're seeing here with Carter Stewart? 
Um, I think it's certainly possible, but I think it's kind of similar to basketball in the sense that people try to get around the one and done. It won't necessarily become the norm, but I think there's an opportunity here. But it's only for elite level kids can, that can get kind of money, that kind of money from this Japanese club. So it's certainly a potential problem for Major League Baseball, particularly with the, all the flaws the minor league system has in the way they're you know, set up. Because you have guys that, and I, I guess this really isn't as true for the elite guys, but you have guys that have to stop playing baseball because they can't afford to play it anymore. And so you know, until some of those things get rectified and some of those things get fixed, you might see you know, more and more guys start doing this. I don't think it will ever be a widespread thing, but it's certainly an interesting situation to follow. Um, so he's eligible at 25. I read this morning it was 28. Does he have an opt out? Because that's a big difference. Because if you're signing, if you're a free agent guy at 28, like some limited options there. He's yeah, got a six year deal. Said could potentially return to the United States as a 25 year old okay. free agent allowed to sign a long term contract with any of MLB's 30 teams. That's from Jeff Passan's report, and usually pretty locked in. Listen to this, and, and there are a bunch of numbers here. So so stick with me. Stewart's decision makes sense financially. Here's the scenario they throw out. If he were to stay in the United States and had signed for $2 million, best case, he would have started with the team's short-season Class A affiliate. This year, he would probably top out at AA and make a little less than $10,000 for the year. If Stewart's that good and moving that quickly, his team would probably keep him at scant wages in the minor leagues for all of 2021 as well and then promote him around this time in 2022 to ensure that they control him for six and three-quarters years before free agency. So in 22, 23, and 24, he would make the major league minimum, which after a new collective bargaining agreement could be in the $750,000 range. So, So that's a lot of words to say, it's going to be hard for him to get to the number in Japan. I'm sorry, to get to the number in the United, St- the United States that he's going to get to in Japan. He says in a near optimal scenario, Stewart would receive $4 million for the next six years and would not reach free agency until after the 2027 season when he'll be 28. His deal with the Hawks guarantees Stewart $3 million more and potentially allows him to hit free agency three years earlier. Okay, so that's what I was missing from it. <laughs> Kid's smart. I wonder if it works out because, I mean, obviously there's so all kinds of different challenges from going to the other side of the world to play professional baseball. Um, but, yeah, it's certainly interesting to follow because whenever you have guys break the mold like this, if it works out, obviously more people will start doing it. And seemingly on paper it will work out from a financial scenario. And it hasn't worked out nothing for, him, else. for him the NBA, though. We haven't seen a lot of elite prospects going overseas for a year or two to play basketball and then come back to the United States to play in the NBA. So, you Best know, examples, what, Emmanuel Mude? Yeah, uh, Brandon Jennings did that uh, a few years back. I mean, but, but there haven't been, you know, you haven't seen a Zion Williamson type player make that kind of decision. I wonder why not. Because that is a Because they get thrown $200,000 to play basketball in the United States for four months, and they don't even have to finish their freshman year, and then they go get paid big time. That's chicken scratched compared to what they could get paid for one year in Italy or in Iceland or whatever. They could make a lot more money. I don't know. $200,000 in four months is the equivalent of, what, 800 a year? Six hundred. I guess. I think, the big, I think the biggest reason is math guy. Imagine trying to fifty thousand times twelve. Eighteen years old trying to live in a new country. I mean, that just that's got to be tough. 
it would be tough for a, a, you know for me at 43 years to move and try to immerse myself into a new country and a new language and everything. I can't imagine doing it as, as an 18-year-old. Are you really arguing there, with there, me there about whether 5 times 12 is 60? No, I wasn't arguing with you. I was checking you. and you know. 200,000 divided by 4 is 50,000. 50,000 times 12 is 600,000. Whatever, nerds. I was just making sure it was right. Whatever, capital J journalism <laughs> guy. All this tells me, though, is Major League Baseball, and the players don't have near as much influence and capital to do something like this, but their CBA is just awful that they have their contracts set up this way. It's unbelievable that that the players accept this kind of situation for them, especially when they're forced to play in the minors for multiple years. It's unbelievable they accept this. The long-term payoff is pretty good, though, if you excel. Right? Yeah. Right, but you I mean, don't the, get the anything on the front end. Collective like bargaining agreement. Do. No, I, I, I certainly agree with you, but, I mean, it's like, okay, if there's a little bit of give and take, you, you take your lumps and you prove that you belong, and then you got an opportunity to get serious, serious money versus do you negotiate something where you get a little bit more up front, but you don't give yourself the opportunity to make as much down the line? It's like there, there's got to be a little give and take in those negotiations. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. We'll find out what Mike Bianco and company had to say in their postgame press conference when we come back in the Renaissance Bank studio. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky in the studio. Brian Haydad and Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon, day two of the SEC tournament. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. A couple of things that you need to be aware of that are on the horizon tomorrow. The JT Show will be in Clinton at Traceway Park for the kickoff of the NJCAA Junior College Softball National Championship Tournament as teams from across the nation converging on central Mississippi. Hear about all that's going on in Clinton as well. That's tomorrow at Traceway Park. JT Show for the NJCAA Softball National Championship Tournament. And then on Friday, JT stays on the road. He'll be in Hattiesburg on Friday to celebrate Memorial Day and the start of Memorial Day weekend with specials throughout the beautiful new Midtown store of Corner Market Food Store. Stock up for your holiday cookout, grab some Super Talk swag, and take advantage of holiday savings throughout the store. It's the JT Show live this Friday at Corner Market in Midtown Hattiesburg. Glad to have you along. Hey, Dad, and I were uh, here above the right field line, down the first baseline, uh, continuing. Rippy uh, ran off and hid in the corner for a while, or something like that. Maybe he was actually at the uh, press conference doing his job. What uh, what was the, the mood post-game for Ole Miss after uh, Arkansas got a 5-3 to three win? Sorry, say that again. Post-game mood for... They were, they were fine. I mean, they, they felt like they that Zach Phillips gave them a chance today because he really did pitch well, and they just didn't play well behind him. And, you know, he, he got put in some spots because of some bad defensive lapses. Ole Miss was 1-for-12 with runners in scoring position. They, you know, the offense tallied five hits. Like, you're not going to win a lot of games doing that. And for a guy that struggled at times this year, Phillips as a starter has been more than serviceable for, like, six weeks now. And you just – I think they would have really liked to take advantage of an outing like that from a guy like that. And, and continue to try and build some momentum. I mean, the, the whole idea of Ole Miss playing itself into a regional host was kind of a pipe dream at best coming into the SEC tournament. 
And barring a crazy run that seems so unlikely at this point, that's not going to happen. They're going to go on the road as a two seed. So kind of like we talked about end of last week, beginning of this week, wasn't the most important thing for Ole Miss this week to come in and play well and try to kind of regain or rebuild a little bit of a confidence and maybe even a little bit of an identity? It was, and they've probably done that in spots. Like the Thomas Dillard leadoff experiment appears to be working, had a couple more hits today. And, you know, you saw the bullpen preserve a one-run lead yesterday, which is a fairly tall task for that group over the last couple weeks. Granted, one of them was Ryan Olenek, but, you know, Austin Miller was okay. wasn't great. Houston Roth was pretty good. Um, probably should have gotten out of that inning with no damage done. Kevin Graham made a high throw on that ball at the plate where he was able to slide by Cooper Johnson that gave Arkansas the insurance run in the eighth. But well, and he hesitated also. Yeah, he did hesitate. It was it was like it wasn't want... a lot. It was like a beat, and then boom. I thought that he thought he could maybe get two there. That he thought maybe I can tap the bag and get to the third of the plate, and, and that hesitation killed him. Maybe he had some PTSD from tossing it back to the pitcher. I don't know. That but was you needed to go well. to the plate immediately. Um, but yeah, so they just—I don't know. I mean, they, the defense and and the hitting kind of failed Phillips today, and that was really the story of this game because it wasn't like Arkansas played very cleanly either. Starter was okay. Um, I think they had an error and probably should have been two. And so yeah, just. Now they're playing at 9.30 in the morning. Yeah, and I guess probably facing John Doxakis as well. Yeah, Ole Miss will throw Doug Nikhazy tomorrow. Um, what was the reasoning for him not pitching today? I think they had Phillips available. You want to get Nikhazy as close to normal rest as possible, and it wasn't a game you quote-unquote had to win. And I imagine they had a pretty good idea that Arkansas was not going with Isaiah Campbell or really any one of consequence. They did pitch Cronin at the end, and he struck out all four batters he faced, including Chase Cockrell in a pinch hit situation. So Arkansas, I mean, they used their number two weekend starter, Patrick Wicklander, who was freshman All-SEC this year, and then they used all their dudes out of the bullpen. I mean, Casey Copps was the first up. They end up going to Costi Shock, and they go to Cronin. And I mean, Arkansas played to win that game at the end, no question. They did, and Cronin struck out, I think, all four batters he faced. Yeah, and I, and I made the comment earlier, first 10 outings of the year, Cronin was all zeros. I mean, he was just nails. And then he went through about a three-week to a month stretch where he was a little rocky, but he seems to have refound or, or regained that early season form and been pretty locked in over the last couple of weeks. Well, a fastball in the upper to mid-90s and a pretty good slider is a pretty solid combination for a closer. You can make a living off of that. Yeah. He's really good. And he's had a chance with two on, no outs in the eighth. Couldn't convert. They pinch hit Cockrell with two outs. He struck out on three pitches, and that was kind of all she wrote. They didn't do much in the night. Look, I mean, it, you, you can't throw these numbers out there without it sounding like piling on, so forgive it. That's not what I'm trying to Striking do. Striking out 40% of the time he goes It's through. not 40% of the time. It's 46% of That's the time. Oh, I thought you said 40. No, 46. 40. Math guy strikes again. Well, I, I did the math earlier. So 46% of the time. And he's got no home runs on the year. It's not like a guy who strikes out one out of every two times he comes to the plate, but one out of every six times he comes to the plate, he hits a long ball. He's got none. 
And you know, and five doubles and, and Ole, a two eighteen average. And Ole Miss bunted earlier in the game in a situation like that and didn't do it there. He didn't feel like Kevin Graham is not going to be able to put down a bunt. They could have made a lineup change to put down a bunt with Josh Hall. Didn't want to do that. Felt they had a better chance swinging away. And then the justification for Cockrell was is that he felt better than with what they had left on the bench. He felt that Cockrell could catch up to Cronin's velocity better than anyone else was was what Mike Bianco said afterward. Um, one of the things I thought was interesting, you know. Phillips' last batter, he gave up a two-run single that gave Arkansas a 4-3 lead. Uh, Mike took the blame for that, said he called a bad pitch, said he should have gone breaking ball there and did not. So, But can't put that on Phillips. I mean, or really, I mean, Mike falling on the sword there, we can't put it on either of them. Phillips pitched a pretty good game. Well, Jacob Kinley's been really, really good. He's closing in on 50 RBIs on the year for, uh, for Arkansas. It is time for us to stand... And salute the American flag as we pause for the national anthem, getting set for Vanderbilt and Auburn. Apparently, Brian Haydad thinks all, it's funny. To we all uh, rise from our seats anthem. here. Don't anybody do anything different? Uh, day uh, day two of the SEC tournament. You got my backpack to put your knee on. The uh, number one seed, Vanderbilt, standing on the field. Here's your national anthem. There's your national anthem as we get set for game three of the day. Vanderbilt, the SEC regular season champs, 23-7. and And Auburn, who advanced to this game based on a win against Tennessee yesterday. What are you doing? What? What are you doing? I was looking at that guy down there. The guy in the tank was really enjoying that. He was anthem, really into the national anthem. anthem. Very patriotic. Was he singing? He was hand gesticulating. Whoa, phrasing. Gesticulating, that's a word. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I don't know what you meant to tell you. He was like, he was using his hands. Feeling it. Yeah. Feeling it. Doing um, the bull dance, feeling the flow. Hey, Rippy, what's the what's the best case scenario for Ole Miss in a, uh, in a regional as a two seed? Not Corvallis, Oregon. Okay. I think they... I mean, of all the... Play- Everybody keeps saying, oh, you don't want to get sent to Corvallis, but I mean... Would you not rather get sent to Corvallis than Stanford or UCLA or uh, you could probably be, or, that could probably you know, that's per- not possible that could probably pertain to the entire West Coast. I think they'd fare better in a Chapel Hill or or 
Atlanta against the Charmin Soft Yellow Jackets that you don't believe in. Um, so, Why are you so scared of the West Coast? I mean, not you. I mean, better, better teams out there. I mean, the UCLA, Stanford, or Oregon State, I, I think I think they'd fare better against Georgia Tech or North Carolina. It's so not, you, you it's not think, the geography. It's just where kind of where the teams are. So you're kind of coming around and decided that uh, you think Georgia Tech's a little quilted northernish. No, I think they're less whatever that phrase is than UCLA or Oregon State or Stanford. Soft is Oregon looking for. Less soft. Less soft. More like sandpaper. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Renaissance Bank Studio live from the SEC Tournament in Hoover. Hey, Dad, how do you feel about heights? I, I don't want heights. So no chance that sometime between when the show ends and Mississippi State LSU begins, uh, you'll go ride the Ferris wheel? Uh, That seems unlikely, yes. Why? Because I don't like heights. Yeah, but the view might be just to die for. I've I've been through Alabama. I know what I'm saying. Well, and and in reality, you're probably higher off the ground where we sit right now from, like, field level than you would be. Much more structurally sound here, though. I don't know. It's just kind of like a swing. Yeah, it's just kind of like a swing that could tip over. Yeah, but you've lost weight. It's not going to tip over. You don't know that. You know, I don't know what the weight limit on that thing I is. I feel confident that that thing's not going to tip over with you on it. I feel even more confident I'm not getting on it. Yeah. What would it take for you to ride the Ferris wheel? I don't know, 20 bucks. That's it? Cash money. Let me think on that. Yeah. A roller coaster, we're, we're, big money. Big money's happening. But a Ferris wheel, I could probably be okay with 20 bucks. Borky, would this be a sound investment, or would this be me just throwing away twenty dollars? It'd be like you taking it out of your wallet and lighting it on fire. But you do you. What would uh, what would your level of fear be while riding? I mean, like, would it just be mild discomfort, or might you go into like? Uh, uh, I don't know. Shaking, sweating. Know. I've never ridden a Ferris wheel because I don't like heights. So, well, no, but I, I, what I'm trying to get to is. If this $20 investment made sense for me and we videoed it, would it be worthwhile? It might be. I, I, you might get some, some genuine hilarity from my discomfort, yes. You think there's a chance that you would uh, you would throw up? I mean, there's always a chance, right? Yeah. I'm going to have to think on this. If only we had a doctor here who could help us determine these the odds of that. Auburn gets a base runner, a uh, two-out walk, but uh, ground out to end the inning, and Vanderbilt's coming to the plate in the bottom of the first with no score between the number one seed Vanderbilt Commodores and the Auburn Tigers. We did have a listener send us a uh, message through Facebook Messenger, which I'm not even sure that I realized I had on my phone, but it popped up, and uh, she said... You keep referring to Arkansas as Western Division champs. Didn't Arkansas and Mississippi State share the title? Technically. Yes, they did. They both get a trophy that says SEC Western Division champion. Only one of them, though, is the two seed in the tournament. Which one is that? That's Arkansas. So, yeah. I'm sorry if you feel as if I slighted... Your diamond to dogs by not calling them SEC Western Division champions. It's one of those things. They are technically the SEC Western Division champions, but. How much fun has Mississippi State had at Ole Miss's expense for hanging a banner for being co-West champions in 2003? 
Technically, so, technically, so, Ole Miss is, but I, I do give Ole Miss grief for that. Yes. Yeah. So, so what are we talking about here? Yeah. Just, uh, just saying. We'll turn back and be fair play sometimes. Yeah. yeah I suppose. Um, a couple of nuggets from the NFL. Borky, what are the what are the details on this NFL overtime no bueno stuff? Yeah, so a couple of things. First is the NFL overtime rule. We talked about it a few weeks ago that the Chiefs proposed, and they did it because, if you remember, in the AFC Championship game, they kicked off to New England. They lost the coin toss. New England received the kick, went down the field, scored a touchdown, and won the football game. Patrick Mahomes never touched the field in overtime in a game in which they lost. So they proposed a change to overtime that would guarantee a possession for both teams no matter what happens in the opening possession. That supposedly had a lot of momentum. I mean, Jerry Jones is, what is he, his son that's on the competition committee even said that a lot of people here like their proposal. Turns out, didn't even have enough support to even bring it to a vote whatsoever, and that proposal got dropped and is no longer being considered. However... Roger Goodell actually kind of liked the idea and wants the competition committee to continue considering changes to the NFL overtime. So even though this thing got tabled and not getting voted on, he actually wants some kind of change to overtime. So they're going to continue working on this. But the guaranteed possession for both teams, as proposed by the Chiefs, is no longer a thing. So what might NFL overtime rules look like for the playoffs? What do you mean? Well, I mean, did you not say that they were still, Roger Goodell was still encouraging them to look at a change potentially for the playoffs um, to overtime? Yes, and it, it won't happen this season if, if they do make a change. That that is That will be 2020 or beyond. But um, he didn't, according to the story I read, he was very vague and just wants them to continue experimenting with ideas. He, he has not given any specifics. He, he tends to not do that. Uh, but, yeah, he wants them to think of something to change the NFL overtime. Is this going to kind of let them figure it out? I mean, ultimately, it's just got to be some sort of compromise that allows for both teams to get possession of the football in the game, right? Is it, is that What you just said, how simple is that, right? Like, you get a second possession. You either tie the game up or you don't. Yeah, I mean, it, don't you it have to make a stop, complicated, though? does it? No. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, okay. First, first possession goes to Team A. Team A scores. Team B gets the ball, and they can either score or it's over. Yeah, I'm, if if the team that gets the ball first in overtime scores a touchdown, then the team that didn't get the ball gets a possession. Yeah. If they score a touchdown, play on, and it becomes sudden death at that point. Yeah. If they don't score a touchdown, game over. They lose. I don't understand what's complicated about that. And, and people want to come at you, well, defense is part of it. Well, I understand defense is part of the game. And obviously both of you have played enough offense and enough defense over the course of 60 minutes that you're at a deadlock. You're at a stalemate. You're at a draw. So why create an unbalanced situation in overtime? And, and I'm, not necess- I'm not advocating that the overtime rules look like college overtime rules where you go over and over and over, back and forth, back and forth. Just give both teams one possession. Yeah. Could you do it where both teams get the first possession, and then if either if they both don't score or they both do score, then you just have a period. 
you know, you just have however long. It's not sudden death. It's just we play out the rest of the period. Uh, I don't think I like that. Okay. Because then you're guaranteeing that you play an additional 15 minutes, and they talk about player safety and extended time and whether or not it's worthwhile to do that and all those good things. I think if you've given both teams a possession, then you have had an adequate amount of time to determine a winner. Okay. At which point a field goal could win it for you. So what would be the strategy in that? If you know that you're getting a possession, would you be better off not to take the ball first? Kind of like in college overtime rules, so you know what you've got yeah, to do. Yeah, because then you know if you get the stop, you I kick off to the, the other goal. team, you get a stop, you probably get better field position based on a punt. Of course, the other part of it is it kind of puts you behind the eight ball as well. Yeah. If you give up that score and you don't score, it's game over. Yeah, but I mean, I think I think the college way would go better there, where, you're, where you take take your chance on defense, see if you can get a stop or hold them to a field goal, and then you know what you got to do. Borky, do you have a, a solution? I mean, are we on the right track, or is there a different way that you do it altogether? I, I actually don't exactly hate the NFL's overtime, um, but I did like this proposal, honestly, because just as a, a casual viewer, not as a, a Chiefs fan, I think we were kind of done a disservice not seeing Patrick Mahomes with the ball in his hand in overtime. So just as a casual viewer, I would like to see both quarterbacks. In, in the NFL, where it's a quarterback-driven league and the quarterbacks are the stars, I would have liked to have seen Tom Brady go down the field and score and then see if the young buck Patrick Mahomes can answer. So I, I liked the Chiefs' proposal. I, I thought it made sense. The problem that they ran into was they couldn't work out time. They were afraid that a team was going to milk the clock so much that the second possession, they, they would run out of time to where it wouldn't be like a full drive. And so they were wrestling with that, and, and that's what hung up. I, I would say do it like college except for back them up to maybe the 50. How many 13-minute possessions did we have in the NFL last year? Not many, and it sounds so ridiculous uh, because it kind of is when you get a bunch of – what do they say? A camel is a horse made by a committee? I mean, that's what happens when you get all these people put in a room together. But I would do the college overtime but started at the 50. I've never heard that before. I have never heard before a camel is a horse made by a committee. I like that. That is uh, that is a good one, and it is worth adding to the uh, the repertoire. Uh, what one other thing to be looking at on the NFL as well? Yeah, and I'll get your uh, reaction to it after the break. Um, basically, the NFL they haven't forced this, they haven't mandated it yet, but they are asking very strongly for their teams to not do the Oklahoma drill or any similar kind of drill in practice anymore. They have found that. There's a high rate of concussions and head injuries that happen during training camp and OTAs and stuff that happen far away from the season. Once the season comes, these teams don't do this anymore, but they're asking them to not do it now and early in camp. They want the Oklahoma drill gone from the NFL, and youth football leagues are going to use that as a reason for them not to do it either, but I have a reason why that's a bad idea also coming up after, uh, after the break. More coming up with you at Sports Talk Mississippi live from the SEC Tournament in Hoover in the Renaissance Bank Studio. So I realized a minute ago that um, on my computer the ceasefire text line had frozen up. And so I hit refresh and was rewarded with a plethora of messages. And they had two themes. There was a Ferris wheel theme and a Whistler theme. Yeah. 
Uh, first of all, a text message that came to me, pay the man. I'll give you $10 when you guys come to our city in July. Talking about putting you on the Ferris wheel. What's his city? Columbia. Columbia, Mississippi? Yeah. We're going there? I was not aware of that, but apparently we will be in Columbia. Home of Walter Payton. And he's on the hook for uh, for $10. All right. So I'm down to just $10. And they have a Ferris wheel there? Uh, no. He wants me to pay... Oh, he, he wants a bit of a layaway plan. I got you. The, uh, or not layaway. The juice is going to be running on that. It's going to be like 25 30 bucks by the time we get there. He, he wants a checks in the mail plan. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, that's fair enough. Uh, some of these are, are pretty good, though. Uh, George in West Point goes with the more serious route. He says if riding a Ferris wheel would be something to die for, especially if you fall out of it, $20 would not cover the funeral. Don't take the bait. I'm with him, I think. He says if the wheel comes off its stand, a lot of people die. Well, it's not it's not a huge one though. I don't think you die just maimed for life. Great. No, I mean that's some bumps and bruises, and you probably got an ambulance ride. I just uh, unless it actually falls on you, then I don't think you die. Eh, we're probably not going to find out. Well, hold on, Wait, you you can't welch on a bet. We haven't bet anything. You asked me how much it you, would take. You said twenty dollars. You you put the terms out there. I've just got to determine whether or not to take them. I haven't. I have decided nothing. That's nice. Uh, no score Canical. between Vanderbilt and Auburn in the top of the second inning. Casey, oh great! I hear the Vandy Whistler from Senatobia. Thanks, Casey. Trip dog. These get a little violent, to be perfectly honest with you. Well, that's what this guy entails. Trip dog says, "Somebody please shoot the Vandy Whistler." Greg and Nettleton. The Whistler seems in overdrive early. Uh, Preston. I hear the Vandy Whistler loud and clear. Please knock him out. Will and Eupora, forget paying Hey Dad 20 bucks to ride the Ferris wheel. Pay him 20 bucks to get the Whistler to stop. I'm about up to about $500 if I just go punch the Whistler right now. Jeff says, could you all hear the Vandy Whistler? Uh, yeah, Jeff. How can you not hear him? Vandy must be playing. I hear that idiot whistle in the background. I can't understand how Vandy fans don't ban him from games. Jay, I will give $100 to anyone who shuts up the Vandy Whistler. There's another 100 Hashtag shut that SOB up. <laughs> I'll pay your bail, buddy. I will drive uh, to Hoover tonight and pay your bail if you shut him up in whatever way you that, choose. I'm, not, I'm just saying that Vanderbilt supports domestic terrorism. Daniel says, for the love of all that's good... Could someone go shut up the Vandy Whistler? I didn't tune into Sports Talk to hear him in the background. Yeah, I mean, we don't like it either, Daniel, but you got to realize there's not a whole lot we can do. Please find a sniper to take out that birdie. Dang Commodore. <laughs> Commodore, I like that. Quinn says he gets butterflies just hearing the words Oklahoma drill. Saw many concussions when we did it in college. Couldn't imagine what it's like in the NFL. I'm cool with them banning it. David and Sosher, can you mute the Vandy Whistler better yet? I'll give $20 to whoever takes him out. And more money in my pocket right there. On and on. I'm in for 50 I wouldn't pay Haydad to ride the Ferris wheel. Would, would pay anyone if they punch that person that's whistling in the background. Rippy, do you want to go high-low him maybe? With a camera. Somebody please shoot him. Stan says, I noticed the Whistler. You mentioned the text message talking about it. Then the Mayberry song comes on behind you. Speaking of Mayberry, I think, that was a I think troll, Dr. Right? had a good idea. Citizens arrest. Let's just go arrest him. Uh, $50 for the use of a bat on the Whistler. Like, there's some violent tendencies that are being Nobody likes explored. this guy. 
Why the conference continues to allow him to come in the front door, I don't know. I think it's not just a conference issue. I think Vanderbilt should put an end to it. They don't have to come to their home game. I agree. Uh, Anyway, people not uh, But by the same token, we're giving him what he wants right now, too. He wants us talking about it. There's a word for him. I'm not going to use it on the air. Might rhyme with more. I'm just saying. That's he wants attention. He actively he seeks out yeah. the natural sound microphones in the stadium to get on the television broadcast. He's not there just supporting his team. Yeah. He's there to seek attention, and he needs to be done and away with. If you go near him, if you breathe on that guy, he wants the cops. So He's just a terrible person, and no one should like him. Well, the, the, the fascinating thing about it is, if there was, I mean, legitimately, Let's just let's just use you hate at as as an example. Let's say that you you know put on your macho man Randy Salvage Savage yeah man you whistler and, and you like you like go down to him and just absolutely cold cock knock him out yeah you're going to get arrested I am you're going to get go to jail and this guy's probably going to press charges against you. That's true. There is not a question in my mind. All, all these people and hundreds of others across the SEC, if a GoFundMe account was started to take care of all the legal costs associated with that, mm-hmm. would Alexander Shunara handle my case? Is the question. He doesn't advertise on our show. Don't ever mention his okay, name. Okay, I'm again. so sorry. He advertises everywhere else in the freaking state of Alabama. I was going to say, perhaps we should. Uh, we should. I work think I can see four that. billboards from here in the press box. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, Renaissance Bank Studio. We're live at the SEC baseball tournament in Hoover, Alabama. Uh, I think Auburn's pitcher just hit the mascot. More coming up with you in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi with you from the SEC tournament in Hoover, Alabama. Richard Cross, Michael Borky in the studio in Jackson, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey with you from Hoover. Glad to have you along. Sports Talk brought to you by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land and all that goes along with it for over 100 years. Mississippi Land Bank can help farmers. If you've got uh, equipment needs, you're buying a new piece of property to enlarge the size of the farm, maybe you're refinancing a loan, an existing loan, or getting a crop loan. Well, Mississippi Land Bank can help. Their locations are spread out across North Mississippi. You can find them online at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Scoreless here in the bottom of the second inning, Auburn and Vanderbilt. Auburn has already made a pitching change. Commodores have got first and third with one out and the eight-hole hitter coming to the plate. Right now, it is time for the college football fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out about all that Ford has got to offer, including the F-150, the best-selling truck in America for 42 consecutive years. And from now through the 4th of July, Ford has got a special offer going for veterans and first responders. So if you're a current or former member of the military or you work in a role that puts you in the first line of response. Ford wants to say thank you, and they will do that 
by giving you extra savings on top of the current incentives on whatever vehicle it is that you're trying to buy. And here's what we'd like to do. We are going to, starting on Memorial Day, Monday, Memorial Day, we are, in conjunction with Ford, going to bring you Military Mondays and First Responder Fridays. And what we want to do is share stories that you bring to us about your hometown heroes. Do you know a police officer? Do you know a paramedic? Do you know a firefighter? Uh, do you know somebody who has served in the military who's got an interesting story, who's got a special story, who's got a story that is worth being told on Super Talk Mississippi to the entire state? Here's what you can do. You can email just a short story, 30 seconds worth of content or so that we can share as part of our salute to the servicemen and women and first responders in our state. You can email us sports talk, all one word, sports talk at supertalk.fm. Tell us who you are, where you're from, and about that special person in your community. Again, the email address, sportstalk at supertalk.fm. We're going to have some fun with that over the course of the next few weeks, starting on Memorial Day. All right, so college football fix. Borkus, take uh, Borkus. That's a new name for Borky. <laughs> yeah, why not? Uh, Bo- Bo- Borkus is going to take us back to the SEC football schedules, and we'll, we'll take a different approach. Let's start in the East. Win totals from a year ago, over or under, or are you just going with the big old push based on what they did a season ago? Borky, let's you, hey Dad, and me go through this. I think Rippy's still proofreading or writing or something along those lines. Um, so, Eastern Division teams, over, under, or push? Georgia with 11 wins a year ago. Hey Dad, you want over or under? I'm going to go over. Over? I'd say Georgia runs the table in the regular season. Really? Yeah. What about you, Bort? Ready for a juicy one? I'm going to go under. They'll finish 10-3 and with a loss in the SEC championship game. Okay, so we're going total wins, not just regular season. Yeah, the, the total wins from last year is, is total wins from last year, including postseason. Um, I really like this Georgia team, but Notre Dame, and you have to go to Tennessee, and Florida's going to be improved, and you have Texas A&M who will be better, and then you'll meet whoever you have to meet in the SEC championship if they get there. Hold the phone on Georgia running the table here. I'm going to go under. I'm going to straddle the fence and go push. I think 11 is the right number for Georgia. I don't know if that's... You know, 11-1 and one in the regular season, and then they lose to Alabama in the championship game again. Or I, I think 11 is probably the right number for Georgia. What about Florida at 10, over or under? Looking at their schedule, to me, I think it's a push. Uh, I, don't, I think they'll lose to Georgia. I think they'll lose at LSU. But other than that, I don't see a, a sure loss for them on the schedule. They might lose one here or there, but I would say push at, at, at 10 wins. Yeah, that's fair. Um, who? I mean, 10 with a 12-game with a regular season and a bowl game. So you're looking at 13, 13 games for Florida. I mean, does 10 and 3 feel right in consecutive seasons for Dan Mullen? I mean, I, I hear you're saying that, that the answer to that is yes. Borky, what about you? Uh, I hate I hate being the push guy, but I think they, this team and this schedule has ten wins written all over it. Not really sold on going up to eleven. I, I mean, Dan Mullen has not exactly recruited very well in his only two recruiting cycles either. So even though he's a really good coach, it's not like he's elevated 
uh, the talent pool that much there at Florida. So good team, not a great team. Ten wins with a bowl game seems fair enough. Yeah, that uh, that seems like about the right number, and I hate to go push-push. So um... when they lost the game last year to Missouri, they probably shouldn't have lost. And it's, I mean, it's possible that they could find another loss on their schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Who's their other West team? They go to Auburn. No, so they have Auburn at home. That feels like the best other opportunity, unless you think that Miami can beat them in week one. I think 10 is the number for Florida again this year. So I'm I'm push-push to start this thing. What about Kentucky at 10? They won 10 a year ago. You're going over or under this year? going way under. Way under? Way under. I would say they're probably going to lose at least four. Yeah, I'm under on Kentucky as well. Borky? Yeah, I think that's a pretty easy smash on the under. If only Vegas would give us the same total. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. would uh, that would certainly be nice. Um, no, I, I just, you know, with Kentucky, I don't think they're going to fall off the map. I think Mark Stoops is a good coach, and I, I think they have recruited consistently enough, and now there's a little bit of confidence to go along with uh, all that Kentucky has been able to pull off. But I don't think it's a scenario where they go crazy again. I mean, 10 wins at Kentucky is historically good, so I'll go a solid under on Kentucky. Missouri at 8. This is where it starts to get a little bit interesting. I'm going to go over the 8 for Missouri. I think. Mm. I actually like that. You're not buying it? it? As long as Barry Odom can keep them motivated in a bowl ban year, which I guess timeline says they will get the notice of their appeal handed down. So if, if it's still upheld, if he can keep that team together with a quarterback that's taken a team to the playoff once before, would not be surprised if they won nine games, maybe ten games of the bowl win. I expect them to be better. No. I, I see Kelly Bryant, you know, is he going to be – is he as good a quarterback as Drew Locke was? I mean, Drew Locke was supposed to be one of the top quarterbacks in the country last year. I don't think Kelly Bryant is that. I think he's a good quarterback but not a great one. I didn't like Drew Locke that much anyway. So, I mean, West Virginia, that's probably a loss. At Georgia, loss. Florida, loss. And then – All right, all right so, so let me hedge this just for a second. I think they win eight in the regular season. And – if they get to a bowl game, I think nine's the number. But, again, the point of them not necessarily being eligible for a bowl game makes that a little bit difficult. Right. So I'm going to push on Missouri at eight. I say push, but I, I would lean more towards under. Well, here, okay, so here's how I got to eight. In the first four games for Missouri, they play Wyoming, West Virginia, Southeast Missouri State, and South Carolina. Yeah. I'm giving them one loss in those four games. Troy, Ole Miss, at Vandy, at Kentucky. I'm giving them one loss in those four games. So that's two. And then you look at the closing stretch at Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, at Arkansas. They have to play Arkansas last, and by God, Arkansas should be playing its best football. (laughs) I'll go two and two in those final four games of the regular season. That's eight and four. Yeah. And then if they get to a bowl game, they could get to I just nine. won't be totally surprised if they drop one to Vandy, to South Carolina, to Kentucky, to Tennessee. To Ole Miss? Possibly. I mean, I just – I don't is think – Ole Miss that different than the other three that's teams what I'm saying. I don't, I don't think Missouri is head and shoulders better than any of the teams on their, uh, their schedule, and they're obviously much worse than Georgia, Florida, and probably West Virginia as well. South Carolina at seven. Mm, no. 
Under. Solid under? Well, I mean, North Carolina, probably a loss. Alabama's a loss. Well, how are you just giving them a loss to North Carolina? Because I don't think South Carolina's any good. North Carolina was putrid last year. They'll be... That's my word, first off. Don't, don't be stealing my gimmick. I just like, I think North Carolina wins that game. Okay, we'll continue this discussion. This is a, a fun way to look at these games. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. We're live at the SEC tournament. Over, under, or push based on the season total from a year ago for the teams in the SEC this year. We will make this a two-segment college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. More coming up in the Renaissance Bank studio. Two to nothing, Vanderbilt leading over Auburn as we go to the bottom of third inning. Walking through the SEC schedule for football as we kind of look ahead. Oh, tomorrow it starts. 100 teams in 100 days. The countdown of college football begins tomorrow as we continue to broadcast the live is? from the SEC tournament. I do. Well, who are we starting with? Oh, wait Tomorrow, a whoa, 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 whoa. we are starting what? with ULL. The whole point is to, re- to reveal it. Okay. Well, then you get a preview. And- now it's all. Now, why do they need to listen to it tomorrow? All right, because Morgan, we tell you, them you a lot. Oh, number yeah. Number ninety nine and number one hundred. Well, number ninety nine is UAB. Number ninety eight is Northern Illinois. It is not. It is not like a surprise. Uh, it's we we look at the team and like go through their schedule and and all of that stuff. So it's not like a, we unveil it like a present. It's we count down using the FBI's top one hundred. So anybody could access it if they wanted to and find out for themselves anyway. Boot. Third baseman just booted one. That was bad. I mean, that was like a full-on boot over at third. Tough one. Uh, all right, so let's get back to the uh, the schedules that we're looking at in the uh, in the SEC. Number of wins you had again uh, a year ago, over, under, or push for the upcoming season. So we are on South Carolina, and the number is seven. They won seven games last year, and Haydad went under. Rip, are you going to join us? We're good to go. Who do you got? Over or under South Carolina on seven from a year ago? Can I push? Could I say seven? Sure. I think it's probably right at seven, and that's without even looking at their schedule. Yeah, well, that's probably a foolhardy exercise uh, because their schedule is hard, hard, hard. I might take seven losses. I was looking at it a second ago. Well, they feel like a five or six win team. Haydad is giving them a loss against North Carolina, against the mighty tandem of Phil Longo and Mac Brown. Even if you take them off, though, they're going to lose to Alabama. Probably going to lose in Missouri. Let, let's do it the other way. Let's give them. Okay, right. let's give them a win against North Carolina. I'm not going there. Give way. them a win against Charleston. Obviously, Bama's a loss. Give them a win against either Missouri or Kentucky. That's three. Give them a win against. Tennessee, Vanderbilt, and Appalachian State, that's six. You're done. You're done giving them wins at this point. I understand. And and you've got questionable wins in them. I understand that as well. I mean, I was being overly generous. Yeah. They're much more likely to, to go four and eight than they are seven and five. Borky, South Carolina, seven a year ago, over, under, or same? 
think I'm going to lean under. They got really screwed, for lack of a better term, with the two teams that they get from the West. So they host Alabama, which doesn't really matter, and then they have to go to College Station. That's who they get from the SEC West. Uh, That makes it a a whole lot worse. And, um, yeah, I'm going under. Probably a six-win team. They'll flirt with five even. Yeah. Vandy won six games last year, finished six and seven with a loss in their bowl game. I'm going under on Vanderbilt uh, this year. I, I think it's a tough early slate with Georgia and Purdue on the road to start things. Then they get LSU. Uh, their trip, uh, not that Ole Miss has any kind of an ownership stake over Vanderbilt. It's been quite the opposite at times in the last decade or so. But it is a road game, and it's an incredibly important game for Ole Miss. I just I don't see many wins on the schedule for Vanderbilt. I'm going under. Every time you pick Vandy to win a game, almost it's almost an upset. It just historically that's the way it is. Now that I mean they'll probably beat UNLV in Northern Illinois and East Tennessee State, but when you're Vandy, there's no such thing as a gimme game. You know, there's no game where they're just going to show up and out talent their opponents. Or so, you under with Vandy also. Yes, I am. They were a cover machine a year ago, though. If you were the gambling type, Vanderbilt was a very friendly bet last year. But yeah, they're going to, I mean, they could be an improved team. They won't be because there's no Kyle Shermer, but they could be an improved team and still lose a bunch of games. That schedule is miserable. Over or under five with Tennessee going into year two for Jeremy Hood. I'm going over this year. I think they'll start the season 3-0 and with wins over Georgia State, BYU, and Chattanooga. Um, they'll beat UAB. That's four. I think they beat Kentucky this, this year. That's five. I think they get Vandy this year, six, and then a bowl game. And then there's they some other South Carolina games in there as well. They could beat South Carolina. They could beat South Carolina. They could potentially beat so Mississippi seven. State at home. We'll see what kind of shape they're in middle of the season. I, I don't think they win at Florida. Don't think they beat Georgia at home. I don't think they win at Alabama. And, you know, the others are all kind of toss-ups, yeah. I, I think. Yeah. Rippy, how do you feel about Tennessee? Over or under five? I'll go over five. I think they'll take a leap forward this year. We were talking about a couple of days ago. Don't you see with the way that schedule kind of sets up, you could see them fairly easily getting to a bowl game, so that'd be right at six wins, and then, like, their whole thing would be kind of how they handle that momentum and kind of take a, that next jump in yeah. program stature the next year. I'll say over. Pretty what, confident on that one. Western Division side, Alabama at 14. <laughs> over, under, or push? So, I mean, that's basically they're playing for the national championship again, again at worst, I would say, uh, push. Yeah. I mean, to go over, though, they've got to do something that they've never done under Nick Saban. Let's go 15 and 0. Clemson was the first college football team in the history of the game to go 15 and 0 last year. Are you thinking that Alabama is going to uh, do that? I, I'm going to uh, very conservatively go under. That's 13 with a loss to Clemson in the title game, probably. Right? Yeah. I mean, that, that, that seems like where that, that seems like where they would be. Yeah. Texas A&M nine over. Or under for the Aggies. Hey, just real quick before we uh, do that, y- your boy Jeets is in the house. Who? Derek Jeter is here. Really? Yeah. Why? Well, Bladé's playing. Maybe that's why. He wants to watch a team oh, that's better watching, than his uh, Marlins. Watching... <laughs> that's watching a... J.J. Bladé watching. That's a good point. All right, who, who are we at here? Who are we doing? I don't care anymore. I know. You said Jeter's here. I know. A&M at nine? Yeah. I think that's too high. I mean, the, if you look, what are the losses, right? 
Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, LSU. That's eight. So, no, I'm saying under. Okay. You could give them. You you could have them eight and four with a win in a bowl game to get to nine. And I could. But I actually heard somebody. I think it was Cole Kublik say not too terribly long ago. It feels like Texas A&M takes a slight step back this year. I think actually it was Greg McElroy. Mm-hmm. Slight step back in year two under Jimbo before they go on a, a run of being a perennial top ten preseason team. We'll see if that's the case. But yeah, eight and four. I mean, and like I said, they've lost four of the last five Mississippi State. That could be you know that could trip up there. I don't know. Uh, LSU at ten know. over or under. Probably right there at 10. Feels like the right number? Yeah, I mean, they'll lose to Alabama, and then will they lose another one? I don't know. The only game that like I look at and I say, yeah, that's possible, is at Texas. In week two? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's nothing crazy on the schedule for yeah, LSU. Nothing, and, nothing jumps out, yeah. And, and how about the fact that, that you've transitioned from there's no way, you know, Ed Ogeron's going to cost him a couple of games. Yeah. So you don't feel that way anymore. I don't. I don't. Uh, I'll go over the 10 for LSU. Okay. Borky, what do you think? how do you feel about LSU? Ooh. I know Quinn will be happy with over 10. <laughs> I think so. 10, uh, over 10 with a bowl win. I think they'll go 10-2 and two with the schedule okay. and go beat somebody in an access bowl. All I right, think but, 10's go ahead. my input or do you uh, Sure, go ahead. <laughs> Um, I, I think Ted's probably right at it. Don't you see them probably going ten and two? Yeah, I mean, the, so probably to Borky's point, maybe I guess over with the bowl win. Mississippi State at eight. I would say under today. I would think I think that's a seven win team. Even with a bowl game, you think they're six and uh, six with a bowl? The bowl game is throwing me off. I think they'll they'll win eight if they get, if they have a chance to win eight. I mean, they lost the bowl game last year. Uh, but right now, I would think that you, you're looking at wins to Iowa, just in case you forgot. I, I remember who it was. I don't remember who Ole Miss played in the bowl, but that's a different story. Uh, it's because they didn't play in a bowl. Oh, that's right. It's a long, it's a long drawn out story. Maybe I'll write a book. Uh, they'll beat. They'll win their non conference. Sell twelve copies. I would probably sell more than that. Why are we doing this? Can't we just go you on? Be, you, because you did it. No, you started this. You started it with they lost to Iowa. In case you don't remember, like I don't remember. Like I did, like I wasn't there covering the game. Somebody pointed out yesterday how they were still frustrated, so frustrated about the. In fact, they were talking about. Uh, I can't remember if it was Jason or somebody else that tweeted us or texted us and said, "Why did Joe Moorhead get a raise? Yeah, they won eight games and lost to Iowa in a bowl game." Well, we talked about it on the show yesterday. I didn't quite get the raise, but regardless, anyway, State to win their non-conference games. I think they'll beat Arkansas and Ole Miss. They'll beat Kentucky at home, and then. The next game I would point at is at Tennessee. It's tough to win on the road, so that's a toss-up. Seven, seven seems safe for me. Yeah, I, I think under is is the right number, but eight, you know, it's doable. Eight's not a stretch at all. Auburn at eight, and then we'll get to Ole Miss and Arkansas as we uh, as we finish. Three segment up. thing here. Auburn at eight, one, two, three. under. So you're going under yeah. with Auburn. Yeah. Uh, we better hold on to this. First hit of the game for Auburn comes in the top of the fourth inning, and it was a beaut. Will Holland hit a rocket over the left field wall. Solo shot to get Auburn on the board. Vanderbilt, six runs on seven hits. Auburn, one run, one hit, and an error in the ballgame. So Vandy up five, six to one. Mason Hickman still on the mound for the Commodore. C Spire text line open to you. 
Enjoy double the awesome devices with the latest limited-time deal from Seaspire. Get $1,000 off when you buy two top smartphones. Don't miss out. Visit cspire.com for details. Cspire, customer-inspired. 601-879-4395 for the Cspire text line. John in Oxford says, I'm still with you guys on the app, even though my ears are bleeding because of two terrible humans. That's no way to talk about Borky and Rippy. Thanks, John, for uh, for sticking with us. Oh, the Whistler <laughs> on, uh, on a tough so, afternoon. Otherwise, uh, uh, yeah. I, listen, uh, we apologize. I mean, there, obviously, we're here. There's nothing we can do uh, about the fact that you have one of the selfish, most selfish human beings on the entire planet. Uh, trying to make your ears bleed, and just to annoy other people. I yeah. mean, that, that's that's just his goal in life. I'm going to go see how miserable I can make the viewing experience for everybody else that's in the stadium or watching on TV or listening to a radio show. Uh, he can try and sell it as, oh, I'm supporting my team, but you're not. No. You're, you're just a jerk. Uh, so sorry about that. I wish there was something that we could do about it, and I don't guess going down and punching the guy really makes a difference one way or the other. It, to me, it's a little bit ridiculous that the Southeastern Conference has not stepped in and said, we're, we're banning you from all of our events. Yeah. You are no longer allowed to attend a Southeastern Conference athletic, athletic athletic event. Well, you can't throw me out. Well, yeah, we just did. Watch us. Well, I'm going to sue you. Okay, we have more money than you. Let's yeah. go. Let's see how that turns out. Yeah. They, they, they have the opportunity to eject anyone. Yeah. If only you could silence the whistler with the press of a button like Richard's been giving me the business here the last couple of times. Um, but just give him the option to stop whistling first, and then he 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 has been given that option before. But I mean, no, it, it's well, pretty no, simple. It's, is it really an option though? If you're not threatening to kick him out, is my point? Just be like, look, like like you can say, "All oh, we'll sue you into oblivion," and all that. Just be like, but this can all stop if we just stop whistling, and he won't do it. So that's been that's happened before. I mean, he's been punched and had people arrested and been ejected from the stadium himself, and he just turns around and comes back and whistles again. Well, I don't think that, that lady tapped him and then he threatened to press charges, which it seems very on brand with a guy that whistles to annoy mass crowds. But yeah, uh, again, if I were Commissioner Greg Sankey, actually visited with him a little bit earlier today. I wish I had thought to uh, you put that on the agenda. It was uh, it was not top of mind at uh, at that point. Hey, we owe you these last three teams on our over, under, or push, and I, I don't want to miss these out. So we went, uh, I think most of us, did we consensus go under eight for Mississippi State? Yes. We were on Auburn. Yeah. Auburn with eight wins, over, under, or push. Eight is the number they had a year ago. Will they replicate that, or is this different? Under. You got under, under. eight wins for Auburn. Yeah, for sure. So that means they lose to Oregon in the opener? Yes. They lose at A&M? Yes. Mississippi State's a toss-up? Toss-up. Florida on the loss. road? Loss. LSU's a loss. loss. Georgia's a loss. loss. Alabama's a loss. Right. That uh, is the recipe for 6-6. Six and six. That's the recipe for bye-bye. Go smells on. Uh, it certainly uh, certainly is. I uh, think under two is probably. Yeah, I, when you look at it that way, I tend to agree as well. Ole Miss at five. Rebels won five games, went five and seven a year ago. And you look at the schedule this year. I'll go over for Ole Miss on on five. I think they get to six or seven and get back to the postseason in uh, year two officially for Matt Luke and year three if you count the interim year as a head coach. Mm, I'll go at five. I, I, I can't put them at six. If I could, if I could go ahead in time and see how they play against Memphis, I would feel a lot better about my prediction. Okay, but that was that's really what's going to tell me. If they beat Memphis, they'll be over. If they lose to Memphis, they'll be under. 
It's, it, I can't. I don't know other than that. I don't think they're going to. Memphis and Cal, they need both of those wins, in my opinion. Yeah, they really do. I mean, if they, that's the route to getting to, to six, um, I'm, I'm putting faith in them that may or may not be justified. I'll give them a 4-0 start, a, a tough loss to Alabama. I say they beat Vanderbilt, that's five. And then they've got to get one against New Mexico State, that's six. Uh, I tell you what, let's do it this way. Let's go three and one in the first four. So I'll give you a loss in one of those first four games, okay. a win against Vanderbilt to get to four, mm-hmm. a win against New Mexico State to get to five, and then one more win. Uh, and I don't know who that comes against. Is that a road win against did, Missouri did, did you or get, you, gave, you gave them Vanderbilt? I did. Then, yeah, at Missouri and at Mississippi State, but those are road games against teams that are probably better than them. They so. are. In reality, you probably need to get to to a 4-0 start if they're going to get to a bowl game this yeah. year. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.